It is a prime ingredient, feeding the fires of imagination. In eons past, it fanned flames ignited by a primeval author, chiseling random petroglyphs across a dim cave wall. This life-giving breeze once grew papyrus for paper and dried vibrant oils brushed over canvas. Carried across the land since the dawn of time, it once breathed life into dinosaurs and has since walked on the surface of the moon. Manifesting as a gentle zephyr, it stirs memories of childhood or as a raging vortex ripping up the pages of history. Powered by this influence, we dream, love, laugh, hate and destroy, in short, live out our lives. A gust of this tempest carries the power to scatter fog surrounding the unknown. Drifting through frequencies of time and space, thin air is inhaled for the first time and exhaled at the last. Don't try to catch your breath. As if by some cruel twist of fate, the last doorway swallowed me up on Phuket and spit me back out where this all began, standing on a beach in Fuerteventura. The wreck was still there, though I'm guessing a great deal of time had passed since my drunken, foolhardy steps in the wrong direction. The star was now leaning over on her side at a steep angle most of the upper decks having long ago dumped their payloads into the sea. The giant stacks were gone, and even the bridge and promenade were both in the process of relinquishing their struggle to remain. Like the curved spine of a tired ancient, the hull was nothing more now than a stooped arc that barely rose above the tide, no longer possessing the wherewithal to stand proud and upright. The cloud wasn't there, either. Had it been, I would have gladly waded back out for a second chance to retrace my steps back to Capra. As the cold reality of all I just lost started to fully sink in, I turned from the shipwreck and walked slowly away, down the beach toward the sandy roadway that led me here. Just as I was about to veer away from the water's edge, I noticed several pieces of paper floating, carried ashore on the crest of a now passive surf. As I drew near, I could tell that the tattered pieces were once a single photograph, a lingering remnant most likely washed out of the wreck during high tide. Gathering up the pieces, I sat down in the sand and arranged them to form a complete image, a still life of my beloved Capra. Even now, I knew how and why the photograph had been composed the way it was. She was leaning against a sofa in the great lounge, holding a bouquet of fresh-cut flowers. She had positioned herself to the right side of the picture, leaving an empty void where I should have been standing next to her. Even the location inside the room was significant. On the floor behind her was my shiny coin, resting on the carpet in the exact spot where she and I had danced to somewhere beyond the sea. Come to think of it, that's the exact spot I picked it up from as I wandered alone inside the shipwreck. Whatever the reason for my recent travels, 
It would seem that Capra was most certainly an integral part of the experience. Carefully gathering up the torn pieces, I found comfort in that realization. I had to believe that there would be something out there that would someday lead me back to her. There was also something else. A thought, clear as crystal, in my mind's eye. She would wait for me. How could I be so sure? Simply this. The chronology I existed in now was somewhere in between 2004 and 2006. She hasn't even been born yet. For now, at least, I have time to find her. She only lives and breathes in the far reaches of my imagination, out there dancing on the day we never met. The walk back to town was going to take a while, ample alone time to mull over everything that's happened. The significance of the coin, a storm frozen in time, and was the Pullman car a random element decided by the portal I choose? If that were the case, was the encounter with the creature only a result of arbitrary chance, or did it chase me through the next doorway for a reason? And then there was the trip into space. Considering that only a privileged few can call themselves astronauts or cosmonauts, I suppose I should count myself lucky. Beyond being a great source of bragging rights, what could it possibly have had to do with the rest of the story? Every time I take a nosedive into Einstein's little trapdoor, it's like spinning a roulette wheel. Round and round she goes, and where she stops, nobody knows. If those truly were the ground rules of the game, the odds would be astronomical that I'll ever see Capra again. Knowing how or why these dimensional doorways originate would be a tremendous step to upping the stakes, maybe even influencing the odds in my favor. But where would you even start? After several hours of walking, I eventually made it back to the motel that I once considered my temporary home away from home. Surprisingly, the innkeeper hadn't just chucked all my belongings, but had dumped them into a box and marked it lost and found. He had no concept of how much the label applied, not only to my little bits of junk, but to my own persona as well. I stayed on at Ferrote Ventura for another day, carefully packing away my priceless photograph and charging my phone, the one game-changing device I left sitting on the dresser when the jeep picked me up to go see the American Star. The following night I bought an airline ticket online checked out and caught the red eye back to the States, a passenger once again. Dozing on and off for an hour or so into the flight, I must have had a short glimpse of Capra in a dream, because I awoke thinking that I would find her next to me, head on my shoulder, empty bag of beer nuts on her tray table, contented that we were on our way to starting a new life together. Of course, she wasn't really there but the vision had me single-mindedly obsessing again. I decided to fill the empty void with the only question I could think to ask that might produce some kind of a result. Using the web browser on my phone, I googled Capra Amari to see what it would turn up, if anything at all. I dismissed several individuals, presuming that none could possibly be my one and only. 
Of all the hits I got, a single disturbing result kept coming up time and time again. The literal meaning and translation of her name. Capra was an African girl's name that meant, this child will die too. Of course, had we all been sitting around a campfire, this would be the part of the story where I would say, boo, and all of you wide-eyed campers would drop your roasted marshmallows in the dirt, scream, and run to your tents to nurse a healthy crop of goosebumps. Wherever you are right now, in the great outdoors or otherwise, I hope you've been pleasantly distracted for a little while by Tate Addison and his strange adventures. Mr. Addison will most certainly return sometime in Season 2 of the Thin Air Podcast, so please, stick around for more. Meanwhile, there are plenty of other tales to tell, and you can listen to them all right here, the point at which my thoughts and your imagination are whisked away, lost somewhere in the misty regions of thin air. Episode 6 of the Thin Air Podcast Anthology, The Passenger Season 1 Epilogue, was written, produced, directed, narrated and told by R.J. Lonsdale. The voice of Capri Mari is performed by Nancy Cooper Wood and the American Star Concierge staff by Mark Wood. Audio production for all Thin Air episodes by Mark W. Wood of Wood Media Studio, Incorporated. Music compositions used in this episode include Mysterious City and Echoes in Time by Kevin McLeod and Herath by Scott Buckley. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. This has been an R.J. Lonsdale Flyby Studios presentation. <laughs>